Bibles together to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And I'm going to read and preach verses 8 through 11 this evening, finishing up the psalm. We've been working our way through this psalm here and there on Sunday evenings. It is a psalm about who God is for us and how we should live in light of who he is. He is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in trouble. And therefore, we should not fear. He is in the midst of us. He will help us when morning dawns. Therefore, we shall not be moved. Though the nations rage against him, he utters his voice and the earth melts. And he is with us and he is our fortress. Therefore, we can trust in him and he will help us. That's what we've looked at so far in this psalm. That is who God is, that is how we should live in light of who he is. In the last part of the psalm, we're called to behold the works of the Lord and to be still in light of who the Lord is for us. Let's pray together and then we'll give our attention to these verses. Lord, your works are truly wondrous and worthy of our praise. We've sung about your work of creation already in This Is My Father's World. We pray that you would give us eyes to behold your works mentioned in these verses and help us to be still in light of who you are for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 46, reading verses 8 through 11. This is God's word. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. We're going to walk through these two verses, or these four verses rather, under the two headings there in your sermon notes. Number one, behold the works of the Lord. And number two, be still in the presence of the Lord. Verse 8 has a bit of a surprise in it. We're called, we're invited to come, behold the works of the Lord, but the surprise is what works, which works were called to behold. How he has brought desolations on the earth. We might have expected it to say, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has made the heavens and the earth, or Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has redeemed his people with his righteous right hand, or something along those lines. It's kind of what we heard in the call to worship from Psalm 111 and a few verses beyond it. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. 
He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. And on it goes. We're supposed to behold all the works of the Lord, of course. His work of creation. His work of providence. His work of redemption. We're supposed to delight in his works and give him praise for his works, for all of them. Matthew Henry said regarding his works of providence, all the operations of providence must be considered as the works of the Lord and his attributes and purposes must be taken notice of in them. The works of the Lord are all around us. We're surrounded by them, even inside us. So there's plenty to delight in. There's plenty to praise him for. My family and I saw the most beautiful rainbow on Thursday evening. I don't know if you saw it after the storm. Uh, We beheld that particular work of the Lord and we were amazed. We were out our back sliding door. We were out our front door on the front stoop. We were looking at it from all different points and were reminded of Genesis 9 and the rainbow being a sign of God's covenant, of God's faithfulness. We beheld that work of creation, of providence as well, sustaining what God has made. But again, the surprise here is that we're called to behold not a beautiful rainbow or not the work of Christ on the cross, but how God has brought desolations on the earth. That is, destructions, devastations, deprivations. God is the one who brings those things by his sovereign decree. Things like hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and earthquakes and tsunamis. Yes, in one sense, those things happen because of the fall, because of human sin that broke our world. But in another sense, they happen because they are part of God's works of providence. And we should behold them as such. We should humbly bow before them, before God's sovereign power. But I think in light of verse 6, and what it says in verse 6 about the nations raging, the desolations here in verse 8 probably refers to desolations against the nations that rage against God and against God's people. Listen to Matthew Henry again. Let all that oppose him see this with terror and expect the same cup of trembling to be put into their hands. Let all that fear him and trust in him see it with pleasure and not be afraid of the most formidable powers armed against the church. So, for example, there's the desolation that God wrought at the Red Sea where he rescued his people and destroyed the Egyptians. Listen to Psalm 66, verses 3 through 7. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, thinking of the works of the Lord. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose 
eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Moses in Exodus 15 records the people of Israel singing this song to the Lord. Listen to what they sing. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury, it consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in a heap, the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them, I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead. In the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Verse 9 gets more specific. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God does this in the course of human events. And he will do this ultimately at the return of Jesus Christ. In the course of human events, God is the one who makes wars cease in every part of the earth. By his hand of providence, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the chariots with fire. That is, he brings wars to an end so that the weapons of war are no longer needed. Of course, he doesn't make all wars cease immediately. Sometimes there's a need for war. There is such a thing as just war, based on Romans 13 and other passages. Sometimes wars are necessary but always they are costly. And so it's good in that sense when they cease. But sometimes the Lord ordains that there would be wars according to his sovereign purposes. He has ordained everything that's happening right now with Russia and the Ukraine. He is in control of everything that's happening. Some men are doing what is evil and wrong. Others are doing what is good and right but God is sovereign over all of it. And he is working all things according to the counsel of his will. Matthew Henry said that war and peace depend on God's word and will. 
So God makes war cease in the course of human events, but he will do this ultimately and finally at the return of Christ, when there will be no more wars, no more need for wars. This is what was prophesied near the beginning of the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. God will do this ultimately at the return of Christ. He is doing it even now. In a sense, through the progress of the gospel to the end of the earth. But he will do it fully and finally when Jesus comes back. That's yet another reason we have to look forward to the second coming of Christ. A few things for us to consider by way of application here, then we'll turn our attention to the second main point. First of all, as God's people, let's remember the simple truth that we can trust God's providence. We can trust God's plan. Even when he brings a desolation on the earth, even when nation is warring against nation, we can trust the wisdom of his sovereign plan. He works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1. Isaiah 46 that I mentioned this morning, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. That means that no matter what's going on around us, no matter how bad it gets, God is in control. As we read the news, as we hear the news, as we hear how the world reacts to things that are going on in the world, we as God's people can respond differently because we know that our God is in the heavens and he does all he pleases. Psalm 115 verse 3. And we can trust his providence we can trust his plan. Secondly, we are called here to behold the works of the Lord. And I think that's an area we can all seek to grow in together. I think it's often easy for us to go through our days with a kind of functional godlessness where we don't really think of God that much. We don't really pray to him very often. We are surrounded by his works, but we're sort of blind to his works. And this verse reminds us, this verse calls us to behold, to see those works, the works of the Lord. We're surrounded by reminders of God, and we should take advantage of them. Look at the sky. 
And think of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. See the flowers blooming, the grass turning green, and be reminded of God's beauty. Listen to the power of a thunderstorm and be amazed at God's power. Look in the mirror. Look at the people around you and see the image of God. See his handiwork. Thank him for his handiwork. Behold the works of the Lord and see the glory of God. Behold the works of the Lord. That's our first point. Let's look at our second point now. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Verse 10 is one of the more famous verses in the Bible. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now there's probably a sense in which this is spoken to the enemies of God. Be still. Cease raging. The nations rage. Know that I am God. I am the true God, the omnipotent God. I will be exalted among you, the nations. You will not be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted in the earth. You can fight, but you're going to lose. You can rage against me, but I'm going to be victorious over you. No matter how strong the nation, no matter how powerful its military, no matter how ruthless its ruler, God alone is God. And God alone will be exalted. So there is a sense in which this is spoken to the enemies of God, but there's also a sense in which this is spoken to the people of God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Be calm. Be at peace. Be at rest. Instead of frantic activity, forgetting God, walk calmly, mindful of the presence of God. Be still in the presence of the Lord. That's what we're being called to do. Like we heard in the scripture reading last Sunday morning from Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. God says to us these simple but powerful words, be still, be still. We need to remember his words and embrace his words by faith when we are stressed, when we are anxious, when we are worried, when we are frantic and overwhelmed. Be still and know that I am God. 
Know that I am God. Know that I am who I am. Know that I will always be who I have always been. Know that I am God Almighty, that I am God omniscient, that I am God omnipresent. Know that I am the God of all grace, the God of all comfort. Know that I am a wise God, a good God, a generous God. Know that I am God. Jonathan Edwards said this in a sermon on this verse. He said, the bare consideration that God is God may well be sufficient to still all objections and opposition against the divine sovereign dispensations. The bare consideration that God is God may well be sufficient to still all objections and opposition against the divine sovereign dispensations. Know that I am God. Don't just know it intellectually. Of course, you must know it intellectually. But know it also personally and confidently and trustingly. I think it's fair to say that the times when we are not still in our souls are times when we lose sight of the fact that God is God. When we forget that God is God, our souls are frantic. They're untethered. They're like a live wire. They're like a loose fire hose. But when we plug in by faith to the reality that God is God, then our souls can be calm and at rest. So let me encourage you, even as I encourage myself, to find a way to remind yourself this week on an ongoing basis of these powerful, gracious, soul-calming words from God to you. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That should help us to be still, to know that God will be exalted. That's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be exalted, O God. That's what we pray together. Be exalted among the nations, be exalted in the earth, be exalted in our country, in our city. Be exalted in our lives, in our church. We may be rejected, but God will be exalted. We may be persecuted, but God will be exalted. We may even be executed, but God will be exalted. Isaiah 2, 12 through 17. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft, 
and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Remember the account in the Gospels of Jesus calming the storm. End of Mark 4, for example. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What Jesus did to the wind and the sea, he can do to our restless souls. He said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. We can be still in the presence of the Lord. Why is that? Why is that? Well, verse 11 tells us why. It's because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of the hosts of angels, perhaps, or the Lord of the hosts of the armies of Israel. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord is on our side. We are on his side. He is for us, not against us. God is in the midst of her, it says earlier in this psalm. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. It does not matter who is against us if the Lord of hosts is with us. When the world is against us, the Lord of hosts is with us. When the flesh is against us, the Lord of hosts is with us. When the devil himself is against us, the Lord of hosts is with us. If God is for us. Who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Numbers 14, 9. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. 
Do not fear them. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 1 John 4, verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We can be still even in the presence of our enemies when we remember that we are in the presence of our Lord. We just sang about this. I'm so glad I learned to trust thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, wilt be with me to the end. The Lord of hosts is with us at all times. When you're tempted, think the Lord of hosts is with me. When you're discouraged, think the Lord of hosts is with me. When you're overwhelmed, think the Lord of hosts is with me. When you're enjoying God's good gifts, think the Lord of hosts is with me. When you're in the storm, when sorrows like sea billows roll over you, think the Lord of hosts is with me. When it's your time to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, think the Lord of hosts is with me. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Last line. The God of Jacob is our fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. The God of Jacob reminds us that he is a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was Jacob's God, and he will be our God. Jacob walked before him, and now we walk before him. He was Jacob's shepherd all his life long, and he will be our shepherd all our life long. Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And he is our fortress. He is a strong tower, a safe haven. He is a castle an impenetrable, unassailable, indestructible city of refuge for his people. Our enemies attack us. Our enemies try to overtake us. But as long as we are in the castle, we are safe. So two thoughts then as we draw to a close. And as we draw this whole psalm, Psalm 46, to a close. First, take refuge in the God of Jacob. Take refuge in the God of Jacob. Don't stand in the field outside the castle just getting hammered by your enemies. Don't mope in the moat outside the castle. Cross the drawbridge and get inside. Take refuge in God through faith in Christ. 
Take refuge in God by calling to mind and believing his promises. Take refuge in God by putting yourself under the means of grace in public and in private. Take refuge in God by crying out to him in prayer in your time of need, no matter where you are, no matter what's happening. Take refuge in God by singing psalms and hymns. Take refuge in God by meditating on his word day and night. Don't face your enemies all alone in the open field. Get inside the castle and let God fight for you. Take refuge in the God of Jacob. Second and finally, as we kind of take in the whole psalm here at the end, let the whole psalm land on our minds. Let's remember the connection between who God is and how we should live. Who God is and how we should live. The category of who God is is not meant to stay on the shelf. And the category of how we should live is not meant to be separate from who God is. Who God is for us is supposed to fuel how we live. It's supposed to be the power source for how we live the Christian life. Those two things are supposed to go together. So listen to the whole psalm once more. Or perhaps look along as I read. With those two things in mind, who God is and how we should live. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is who God is. Therefore, this is how we should live. That's the message of the psalm. Two things that should always be joined together. The Lord brings desolations on the earth and makes wars cease. Therefore, behold the works of the Lord. The Lord is with us and is our fortress. Therefore, be still in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to always keep in view who you are. 
and by your grace to always live in light of who you are. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a minute to think and pray about what we've heard and then we'll sing together.